Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Do it Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. I'm Max Peterson. And uh, in case you were curious, this week we are covering Valley Girl, 1983. I didn't even get a director. Who gives a shit? Uh, It's Martha Coolidge, man. Oh, Martha Coolidge. God bless you. You fabulous, fabulous. Oh, she's well, she also directed Real Genius. So that's. Wait, really? Era. Same lead actress. Yeah. The Val Kilmer movie. Mm-hmm. Can you hammer a six-inch spike yes. through a board with your penis? Not right Not now. Not right now. Well, a girl's <laughs> got to have her standards. Mm-hmm. What's up? Uh-oh. That's no good. My skeletal will do it. Um, it's upstairs on the... This is not part of the show. It's upstairs <laughs> on the, the same thing as the lamp. Um, the end table? <laughs> the, whatever the fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. How did you know? Even you don't live here. Um, it's normally weirdly. Can I tell you what we heard on the intro there? I could not resist. That's uh, Valley Girl by Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a quick story about sure, that I would love song? To. Okay, hear it. Um, under uh, under sad circumstances, I had to fly from Maine to Michigan last year at about this time of mm-hmm. year. It was uh, late May. So we, um, I got a call and I had to very suddenly get on a plane. I got on the plane uh, within 12 hours of wow. getting a phone call, um, and I flew into Marquette. I sound sad. I tell. I promise you, the story is funny in retrospect. So we were. There was a lot of concern that I wouldn't be able to get into Marquette because the weather oh. was so fucking bad. And it wasn't just like, oh yeah, we got some heavy snow and planes are delayed. Um, my brother called me as my first plane took off to get me back home and he said dude uh, i don't think your planes are gonna are gonna be able to land man because i it was uh um uh i was in bitterford it was uh portland to chicago to marquette and i was on on route to chicago and sam's like dude i don't know if your plane's gonna be able to fly into marquette and i'm like why what's uh what's going on and he's like well we've got some really high winds i'm like yeah they get high winds all the time he's like um it's blowing the roofs off people's houses oh shit (laughs) i was like what he's like yeah and one of my friends like half of her roof blew off it was blowing people's doors in like closed doors not like not like open and flying off it's like tornado yeah like there were it was microbursts all through town it blew the hospital doors into the waiting room so they're only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> they literally had to shut shut a wing of the hospital down because the wind had blown the doors into the Jesus. building like and like flying down the hall doors so he's like yeah the wind is fucking insane there's no way you're gonna you're not land land here so we land in Chicago. The wind is pretty bad there too and uh, it's like snow and there's like they're saying it's only gonna get worse and I'm like I'm freaking out because I, I have really have to get home. So I'm like, fuck, but I don't want to die in a plane crash. Right. So I'm like, guys, if you got to call it, call it. We'll figure something out. Right. 
Um, so I'm sitting at the terminal and everyone around me is they're all on their phone because everyone at that terminal is heading to Marquette and they're Makes like, sense. yeah, they're saying that the, the flight's going to shut down. They're You're having that planes, trains and automobiles sort of moment. Yeah, there's yeah. no way we're getting in. There's no way we're getting in. Then a pilot walks past us. And they haven't called anyone right. to get on the plane yet. No one. We're all sitting there. The the uh, the stewardesses who like help take your ticket and shit are looking at each other like I don't think so. I don't think so. A pilot walks by, and she turns to us and she goes, uh, "What are you guys all doing sitting around? Let's get you to Marquette." And walks down the gangplank. What? Lady pilot. She's got a literally. Uh, she's got her pilot uniform right. on, but over it, leather bomber jacket. The, she was like fucking Indiana Jones just walked down the goddamn like, thing. What do you guys sell sitting like, here? We're going to Marquette. In my memory, she's smoking a big oh, ass cigar. When and you were telling me the pint. story just now, she was smoking a fucking <laughs> yeah. cigarette. I swear to God. It was amazing, dude. Like you, she, it was it was everything short of like take the cigarette out. What are you guys waiting, you guys for? waiting for? Huge <laughs> pull off a pint of like you know like Jim Beam or right. Evan Williams. I'm like. I'm getting you to Marquette. And then she strides <laughs> off just smoking, like, getting you here down the hallway, like, get the fuck out of my way. And, like, <laughs> and she gets... Get these fucking doors open. Right, exactly. So we're all sitting on the plane and, like, you know, everyone's looking around like, is this... Is she a pilot? Is, is she this really, real life? Is she really a pilot? Is this for real? So we take off. It's fine. Chicago's not too bad. Mm-hmm. But as we get, like, close-ish to Marquette... Like... We, uh, my brother, uh, on the tarmac, my brother's texting me. He's like, yeah, dude, you're not getting out. I'm like, I'm on my plane right now. They're about to take off. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I, the whole trip, all I had on my iPod, cause a friend of mine gave me, uh, like 15 gigs of Frank Zappa. I know this is a long story, but I think people will find it yeah. funny. Um, all I have is Frank Zappa. So I'm listening to Zappa. I've never listened to him before. And it's like weird jazzy shit. I'm like, oh, this is strange. And I hit this song Valley Girl, like. 10 minutes out from Marquette and I hear it ding so I take my headphones off like halfway through the song I'm loving it it's a fun song and it's the pilot and she goes hey just so everybody knows like uh we got some crazy winds going on in Marquette right now so uh I don't know like buckle your seatbelts and that's that was it it wasn't like, even nah, I don't know buckle it <laughs> wasn't it wasn't even like you know like oh we're gonna get you there on time the weather's right. pretty crazy she's just like uh you know buckle up and that was it. Shit. I was like, part of me was like, I'm in love with this pilot. I know. By the way, part of me was terrified, and part of me was just fully erect. I'm yep. like, Jesus, you are so badass. So now this is where shit gets fucked up and maybe a little irresponsible on the part of this pilot and the airline. But we came down in like a, I think it was like a. They were saying it was like a 50 or 60 mile an hour like a crosswind breeze. Shit. Okay, I'm sitting in the tail of the plane. Okay. The and tail's in front of the nose at that point. I have <laughs> never experienced as like it's not turbulence anymore. Like the lights go out. You're being the, jackhammered. Yeah. yeah, it was fucked up, dude. Like the, we were like tilting. Wh- and okay, I can look out my window and see the ground. We're within like 400 feet of the ground, and we're at we're tilted so far to the side that I'm looking down the wing at the ground, yeah. like 300 feet away. We're down, and we're hitting this crazy cross breeze, and there. Um, so during this last 10 minutes, I was like, if I'm going to die, I want, and I, that, I I swear to you, it felt like a very real possibility. I want my iPod to be playing Valley Girl, Valley on, Girl repeat. on repeat. Oh my and God. my whole thought was, so if the investigators find my corpse, they're like, this guy was listening to Valley Girl, Girl on repeat. Zappa. I had the volume That's on amazing. max. I had fucking Valley Girl. I'm sweating. I'm in a 
puddle of my own piss and shit. <laughs> my knuckles are as white as it goes. I'm crushing the old woman's hand to my right. She's screaming Jesus's name over and over again. And Frank Zappa's going, valley girl. She's a valley girl. And at one point, I remember I looked out my window and it didn't make sense because I saw the runway. We were so fucking far to our right that looking straight out my window, I saw the runway. I was like, we're dead. We are fucking dead. And then within like, within like three feet of touchdown, the plane went just like glass and she touched us down. Best part. You know how the pilot usually like hangs out and is like, you know, Mm -hmm. thanks for flying with us. Thanks for flying with us. The second we were like connected to the gangway she gets up and walks off the plane <laughs> dude like rock star status just it like was mic drop walking oh out oh my god enjoy Every, marquette we dicks. all applauded oh, of course the whole plane was like i cannot believe so i get off the plane you know like just squishing in my piss pants and i my brother hugs me and he's like he's like dude how are you? And I'm like, I uh, stunned, speed deaf, Valley Girl's ringing in my head, you know. And he goes, um, you know, your plane today is the only plane that landed here at all. Like all day. No planes took off. Everything before you was canceled. Everything after you was canceled. And the whole airport just watched your plane land, and we all thought you guys were gonna fucking die because they saw <laughs> they saw they the, saw the plane like doing that jacked there are up YouTube shit. videos of like like heavies coming down in in those crosswinds and yeah. it's like oh they gonna die okay yeah. the, when you hit a crosswind and the plane's just like i guess we're just gonna go all the way around now you just <laughs> right, barrel beep, yeah right. you're just like you're spinning around like a car drifting around a corner it was terrifying but i have a deep connection to the song valley girl and uh thank you for letting me tell that no story. absolutely it's a great story <laughs> okay so we are on, on pick number two of Nick. Pick Nick, three. Pick three of Nick picks. Yeah, That's we did. Right. Yeah, we yes. did. Drive angry. We did kiss of death. That's right. This is number three already. Kit number three. It's been a you know to go back to the plane allegory. A bit of a choppy month. It for, has been. <laughs> Holy shit. For you maybe. Well, I'm All getting right. over it. It's fine. Thoughts right off the top of the uh, right off your top of your head. Okay, right off the uh, go ahead. Top of my head. Okay, so. I missed this movie completely in the 80s. wasn't even something that I was aware of. I was vaguely aware of like the cover of this movie with Nicolas Cage with his, you know, no shirt and a tie. Sure, with his radical hair. But it was it came out in 1983, it was R-rated. I was not allowed to watch any R-rated movies ever under any circumstances until like Die Hard came out and that was like a one and done sort of situation. So, I it completely missed me. This is the first time that I've actually seen this movie. So, mm-hmm. With that being said, this is also not my type of movie. Okay. Okay. I'm not a fan of the, I don't like rom-coms anyway, which this sort of is, but it's more like the party movie guy meets girl. It's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet very loosely, but it, it is the director. Even there's a nod. There's a nod to Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. But it's just not, I, I think I actually wrote this down on my notes too, that, that even if I had seen this, I probably would have enjoyed it if I were younger. I think that as I've grown older, I'm, I turned 41 in July. I don't think the broad comedies are in my bag anymore, which is really weird because they have been for a lot, like the happy Gilmore's, the Adam Sandler movies, right. like the very broad sort of comedies. This is, this is a little more deep than that. This isn't a Judd Apatow, no. which also carries some heart, but 
it's just it's like wow i think that i have sort of grown past i more appreciate a movie that has some honest humor in it rather than like a broad sort of comedy right and the movies of this ilk that did speak to me when i was of the age that this sort of movie is sort of directed at like in high school or just past high school, it's meant to feel sort of nostalgic and dreamy in a way. Would be like Trojan Wars or um, uh, Can't Hardly Wait, like that kind of movie. Or you pick any of your John Hughes flicks, right? Right. I, I earlier like Sixteen Candles or 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 any of those. But I just I I had a hard time making it through this movie. Yeah, I you told you, you before, fell I fell asleep three fucking times. Watching this movie, and the only way I did make it all the way through is to turn on the director commentary because I could find some like trivia or insights or whatever. That's how I found out that that Martha Coolidge uh, directed uh, Real Genius, and that she actually knew uh, Francis Coppola, who was how she got to to get Nick Cage in the movie. Who was still Nick Coppola at the time, right? He's yeah, credited so, as uh, Nicholas Cage. He's Nicholas Cage. This is his yeah. first movie credit. As Nicolas Cage and not Nick Coppola. So, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But my overall sort of set, like, I, f- I can't say that I enjoyed it because I fucking fell asleep three times. That's true. I didn't laugh out loud once. Really? I got some sort of chuckles. Okay. It was the nostalgia that I was enjoying. I was like, oh my God, look at that knuckle buster credit card the machine oh, the that beginning? they had to use in the very beginning and oh my god they spent 200 whole dollars in the mall oh like, my god my first note is 192 dollars that's like two shirts like two shirt. no seriously but like it was those sort of moments that i was getting like chuckles in in moments of of fun i'm like oh my god look at all those pastels and popped collars and like but once that sort of sense of nostalgia of the 80s because yeah i didn't watch this movie but i was you a were child, a child of, of the, the 80s. 80s right so all that, but once that nostalgia for me sort of wore over, the movie really fucking tanked for me. And I was okay. like, this is just not a good retelling of anything or original story. It's a guy from the wrong side of the tracks, right? Meets the girl. It's a dude from Hollywood who's a punk that meets a, a preppy girl from the valley. The valley, right. And they fall in love at a party and they like each other, but the friends of the girl don't like the guy. So then they break up. She gets back with the guy and then they have a send back or a send up to the graduate at the very end when they're driving off together. So it's like, and there's not, it's not really, there's not much funny in this movie except for the really? Nick Cage montage when he's trying to get her back. Oh my god, it's delightful. That it's is absolutely fantastic. Delightful. And the the soundtrack in this movie is also amazing. Stellar, dude. Like I some of the best went to music. Try and find it yep. To buy I'm like, it. can I get this? Hell yeah. Because I want all of these songs in that order. Like just some really obscure 80s stuff, but also like the stuff that you would expect on Pandora. When uh, Bird got home, we, uh, the first thing I did was I spun our Men at Work records that fantastic. we have. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> it was like you can hear. I I don't think there's the cure, but you hear Morrissey for sure it's, yeah I think it actually might be back when he was still with the Smiths the song mm-hmm. that we hear but you hear the men at work they even call out men at work yep. oh my god it's and now here's the for those of you who don't know I'm not 41 I'm 27 yeah and I think that I really have been enjoying your view and my view of films and which films that those views dovetail on and which films we seem to clash on a little bit. And it's not like I'm 16 and Carl's 67. You know, it's not like some some weird, like, you know, no, no, clearly. But, uh, but you, you grew up in the eighties. I was born in 1990. Right. So I missed entirely 
that whole era and growing up in the 90s we would be exposed to like pictures of people in the 80s like like, like, what the hell is that Yeah, like oh fuck that's awful but now as a as an adult as a 27 and also the 80s have come back in a very big way now with like shows like stranger things like uh, uh, ready player one just came out so there's this huge 80s nostalgia happening right now i actually had pop culture the 80s if any 80s 80s uh like modern 80s nostalgia buffs out there who are comic book fans i actually got on the 80s nostalgia train Mm -hmm. with stephen king like when I was a child. That makes sense. But there's a comic book called Paper Girls, which is... It's it's like Stranger Things before Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. Because it came out, I think, a year before Stranger Things aired, and it's... It's about uh, like three young girls who are on a paper route and or they have a paper route and aliens start showing up and there's like conspiracy and there's like men in black and there's like it's 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 Stranger Things in comic book form form a year before before. Stranger Things happens. It's awesome. And Stranger Things is fucking awesome. But yeah, growing up, I had that, um, you know, you read it, you read any of Stephen King's like early stuff. Christine Christine, that has that like kind of greaser rockabilly. Well, uh, he writes in the 60s a lot, but it has that 80s feel. So watching this movie, I I have the same thing. I'm sure you get it when you watch Stranger mm-hmm. Things too, where you're like like you feel nostalgic for like a lost age. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned John Hughes, and it's weird because I equate this in my head. This is like a lost John Hughes movie. Well, no, it's like if John Hughes wrote a script and then Kevin Smith directed it. Okay, no, because I got that sort of sense too that it felt like a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, for a hot second, like a Chasing Amy meets Mallrats in a or sort like of way. Zach and Mary, but without all the sex without the stuff. sex stuff. This is one of Kevin Smith's favorite movies. He actually, when his wife was pregnant with his first daughter, brought this movie to the hospital. With them <laughs> to watch it. Seriously? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Well, there you go, yeah. man. So this. So movie... no, I get it. It's just I wasn't personally enjoying it. I, gotcha. And this is Nick Cage month, so what I was really trying to focus on was Nick Cage. Was Nick Cage? He drops out of it for big. He drops chunks. out of it for big, for big chunks, and in the chunks that he is in, I feel like his. It's he's so early. It's like almost not. He hasn't found Nick Cage yet. You There's see some flashes. You see, you see flashes like when he he uh, breaks. He gets kicked out of a party because he's mooching on some preppy's ex girlfriend. So he gets kicked out of a party and sneaks back into the party and hides out in the shower in the oh bathroom my God. because he understands that at some point she's probably going to come into the bathroom, which is fucking genius. Yeah, it's but you're creep see, and you're, genius. It's creep genius, but you also are seeing like this weird high school party from a very strange perspective of like just a few little vignettes of what these kids are doing in the bathroom. Yeah, at first I thought it was going on too long, but then I started liking it again. Yeah, where I'm exactly. Like, oh. And he's reacting in a unique way to each one of them, and that is because I watched the director's commentary because it's the only way I can stay awake. Is he? <laughs> oh, you they, fell asleep they, that early? That's like oh no, not that early. But I had to go back okay, and yeah, start yeah, yeah, from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. But uh, so the director put him in that shower for like two fucking hours or something with a camera on him, and is like, just go. This is, and then would explain what's happening. It's like, all right, so some people are coming in now and they're smoking marijuana cigarettes. And so react to that. <laughs> so, so they just, they picked like the best improv moments that he had. Right. And it's in that moment, you can sort of start to see young Nick Cage, like figuring him own, his own self out. Him like own self. He, he figure him own self out. Yeah. <laughs> in shower. He do. There's definite like Nick Cage but flashes. Like flashes, but he hasn't, he's only 18 or 19 years old mm. in this movie. Mm. So he's, 
he got fired from another movie bef- that, that he was working on before this that ended up being something big. I don't remember what it is. But anyway. This is for me. Um, you can the the flash for me wasn't the shower. Although there's in the shower the montage when he is trying to get her back when he's at the movie theater. He's wearing the 3D glasses. That is. Uh, did you see my Instagram? And then the post hot today? Day, I did. Yeah. Okay. Come on, man. But then come right after on. that is the best when he's working at the hot dog shack and he's delivering the food and he, he spits, spits his gum, gum out. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry about that. Let me get that gun back for you. Well, the, the voice he's doing, he's like, he's it's so weird. He literally like, says like, "Well, golly, gee, Wilkers, and I did. I guess I did forget to bring your fries." And he spits this gum on the no, guy. Oh, gee, sorry about the gum. There. And then he picks it up off he him and puts it back in his mouth. Um, for me, the when I first started seeing Nick Cage, like, there's yes, in the shower, there's the bit where he makes that like horrified face, right? And there's the, like him like crouched down with his foot like above his head, mm-hmm. and there's like some there's some like fun physicality that seems. KG right to me KG um but the the part where I started seeing Nick Cage is when he convinces her to come out with him and they're driving down the strip and he's like yo Enrique yeah you didn't do that man you didn't do that yeah. man no no you know I like- was so distracted <laughs> I was so distracted by everything that was yeah, in the you're... in the background of that of that scene I wasn't paying any attention to the movie I'm like oh my god this Empire Strikes Back is on the marquee of the, oh my god the oh it's just, the Roxy look they're like, driving past the Roxy exactly it's like I was so Rocky distracted Horror by Picture Rocky Show. Horror that Picture Show that took me out of it for like yep. three minutes it was yep. like Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror Picture Horror. Show yeah. no exactly oh, same thing oh my god um, the, the, my favorite moment I wrote down my, my note was Nicolas Cage original teeth his mouth this is, is a, before he yeah. got his grill fixed, dude. And like, his mouth is a horror in this movie. And, Not his fault. And he shaved his chest hair in the shape of a bikini. I fucking love his chest hair. <laughs> it is a oh character of its own. It is, you want to talk about physicality God. And, a, and an actor's body becoming a this character? This is his Tom Hardy moment. This is his Tom Hardy moment. Is his fucking Lee Press on chest hair. <laughs> When he walks out of the ocean, it's like his Daniel Craig, like Ursula yep. Andress, like walk out of the ocean moment. And they all look, turn and they're like, oh my God, like look at, look at him. He's like totally hot, like gag me with a spoon, like barf me out. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, dude, I, I got a soft spot for it. I think it saved my life in a plane crash, almost plane crash one right. day. <laughs> I firmly believe that God was like, I don't even believe in God. And I firmly believe, <laughs> believe that, that God was like, he can't die listening to that he song. Can't it's die too listening to Valley fucking Girl. stupid. <laughs> but like, okay, come on. For the Valley Girl accent, lit- this is literally one of the first lines our protagonist says. It's like, I'm totally not in love with you anymore, Charlie. That's a fucking That's line, a line in this movie, man. Okay, half of my notes are just quotes that I love. Okay, so half of my notes are just trivia bits. That's great. We're going to compliment each other so love well it. on this episode. Let me just start at the very... Can I start? Yeah, go, man. Okay, so we are can... We, are we done talking about how goddamn dreamy Nick, Nick Cage's His, perfect oh, Superman it, crest Superman, chest hair? It is... It's it's a perfect V. Yeah, it's I w- a, not a not a it V. It makes it's, me. It's like an wish up- I had actual chest, chest hair. hair. Wait, before we get off chest hair, did you fucking see? Um, God, what's his God? It's disgusting. Skip. 
the one who was like there was some like weird graduate milfy stuff happening. Oh right. Oh yes. Did you see his chest hair growing, he's, he's growing onto, on, his, onto his, neck? his neck? Yeah. You did see it. Oh thank God. I'm like you need to see to that. Sir. When he is standing there talking to. Uh, oh that is actually a note that I have. Is what is with Stacey's. all the parents being pedophiles? By the way, way, I'd like to point out that uh, her name is Stacy. So Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom is who he's got it going. Do you think? Wait, this is eighty-three. Valley Girl, big movie. Kevin Smith's favorite. Do we think this is maybe an inspiration? Doesn't matter. Moving on. Anywho. So when he when Skip is standing there, and he's in that awesome two shot with Stacy's mom, and she's just trying so hard for the D. She just wants she it. Wants she it wants it bad. Wants it, man. You can just you can hear. Her running down her own legs as he's dead. Oh, <laughs> I know that was a really horrible way to say that. But Skip's chest hair, I'm like, what's on his neck? Is his neck dirty? No. No. It's chest hair like up to his Adam's apple. It's fucking revolting, but also amazing. The, so the note ahead. that I wrote when I was, was like, holy pedophilia, mom. <laughs> and then later was like, and dad, was being a pedo considered cute in the 80s? Question mark. Are you talking about uh, Steve? Steve. Nice yeah, dad, he's, Steve. Yeah, nice dad. Steve is like, um, oh, you make me wish I was twenty years younger. That's and early the, in the movie. That's really like, early. If I was twenty years younger. And the mom was like, "Am I still attractive?" He's like, eh, yeah, I guess so." Fun trivia fact. Yes. Francis Coppola directed uh, Apocalypse Now. Okay. The mom and dad were in a deleted scene of Apocalypse Now that was then reinstated in the Redux version of Apocalypse Which Now. Which scene? He plays. Uh, she's a stripper or the play the play Playboy Bunny. And he is a right. soldier. I'm just going to say it. Um, she is hot, dude. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know who's hot? Okay. Stacy's mom Stacey's is hot. Stacy's mom is hot. No, this uh, is... Julie's, I had a real... Julie? Is it Julie? So the real, the real nostalgic, nostalgic yeah. moment for me was, I was like I said, not allowed to watch R-rated movies. Okay. One of the movies that I did watch in the late 80s was Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Okay. And Dottie is the girl that likes Pee Wee Herman. And Dottie is, um, oh my God. Which she's one? Liz, she's She plays Lauren, the one in the, at the party that... Is Lauren the... She's the one, the first boobs in the oh movie. Oh my God, Lauren is the... We have to call her this yeah, because her that's name how is they Deborah, her, this, her name is Elizabeth the, Daily. Okay. That's the actress's name? The actress's name? name is Elizabeth Daly. I have a note on her nipples. Yeah. World's, I said... Like perfect? Pink, world's <laughs> pinkest nipples. But I had a real moment there was like, because I've never seen this movie. All I know of her is like, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's Dottie. Dottie. It's Dottie from Pee Wee. And I'm like, those are Dottie's boobs. Like, wow. I went... So your child, my, my childhood child, you... There was no more... Ch- so... So part of my my youth and innocence died, died. because Pee Wee Herman got caught masturbating in a in a cinema, yeah. and now I've seen Dottie's boobs. But also, so. but also part of your youth, maybe not your innocence, but part of your youth was like Dottie's boobs. Dottie's all right, I, but yeah, that's that was what <laughs> check. <laughs> exactly. Check. That was weird. It's I've I've we've we've watched a bunch of movies now, several older ones. Yeah. And it's, that is one weird thing that I keep bumping into with movies made before like 2000 is that is she's that's essentially like the like a precursor to date rape is what we're watching. Oh yeah. She's all like drunk and she says no like 99 times. And it ends innocently though enough. Does like, it? I don't know. He's like Oh no, he does say yeah. like you can't talk about this. Right, he's you, like, I, I won't say anything if you don't. Well, he's yeah. like she asks like so this means you're my boyfriend, right? And he's like fuck. Oh, that was uh, really no. sad. Yeah, she's like are we going steady? So, so right. Go ahead. Oh, so 
Because no, I, I did feel the same. But so with Elizabeth Daly, so I, I checked out her IMDb because I'm like, what else have I missed Dottie in? Because like she was like sort of a crush of mine as a kid. Right. Watching Pee Wee Big Adventure and my mind got fucking exploded. She goes by another name, E.G. Daly. Okay. She is the voice of Tommy Pickles in Rugrats. You are shitting me. Fucking shit you not. <laughs> Her... Wait, wait, wait. L- girl whose boobs we saw first in this film is Tommy. Tommy Pickles. The entire run of the show, Rugrats, all of the movies, she's Tommy Pickles. We've seen Tommy Pickles' boobs. I know. But her voiceover credit is huge. She's been in a ton of well, shit. Well, in, in this movie, she does by far the best Valley Girl accent. Oh, yeah. Like her... And she was concerned... Again, because I watched the director's commentary, yeah, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. concerned going in that she she couldn't do a Valley Girl accent. Bullshit. So She's as an actor, best. she made a choice like what well, she moved in from somewhere else and adopted the accent later. Oh my! But God, she has the best Valley Girl that's accent. Genius, yeah. and that would make sense because she's trying to fit in. Exactly. That's so geez. she made she's that mental so, choice. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. she's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Actually, oh yeah, mine honestly. too. She's great. Um, and like, I pissed myself when I realized that she was Tommy Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really, really liked. You know who? There was a character. What was her name? There's a character. Some her friend group is so strange. It because, is right because Lauren is like the whole thing with Lauren is like oh she's a little they bas- she's basically they treat her like a hoe bag. She's the experienced one. She's ooh with all the boys or whatever. Right. But then there's Stacy, the character Stacy who likes. Um, the other, the other punk. Or? Well, no, yeah. Stacy ends up liking the other punk. Is Sta- mm-hmm. but Stacy's not the one who. There's a scene where we think that Skip is gonna get into bed with Stacy's mom, right? But he actually gets into bed with Stacy, right? Unless it's not Stacy that I'm thinking of. It oh, might be a different friend. There's it. one that's like Pauline or something like that. I'm not sure that that is Stacy's mom. I think it's Stacy's mom. There's a lot of no, names. No, I just have that that song in my head for the rest of. <laughs> You're not gonna valley girl. She is a valley girl. Stacy's mom has got it going on. Is this gonna be dueling karaoke? Is that it what might this episode's be. turning into? <laughs> oh God, let's not <laughs> say we did. Um, let. Oh God, I don't know. There, I, I'm not sure it was Stacy, but uh, which. Whichever friend it was, I have a note here. I, th- I wrote down Stacy, but the name might be wrong. But that f- when that scene later in the diner, when she goes to her dad and she's like, "Who should I choose, Dad?" Like I didn't oh, right. even know. Like what? Like totally. Um, and they go to the like burger joint, and her one friend is is like, "Well, you just have to make the right choices." And she gives Tommy that look. No, not Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy's coming into the restaurant, and he looks at her like, are we good? Did you broach the subject? And right. she gives him a look and a nod. And then she's like, well, we got I've got, like, so much homework to do, like, totally. And then she and pieces all, out. Everyone right. fucks off, and Tommy shows up, and he's disgusting and yep. a piece of shit. And she, but he got greenlit by the friend. So, right. Yeah. So I, that was really weird to me because he doesn't. That we don't really see that interaction. It mm. plays off screen, but they're definitely there's the understanding that there was like, hey, you go in ahead. Yes, there was you some lay down sort the of... groundwork. And I wrote, if it is Stacy, if it's not Stacy, I'm sorry, whoever you are, but I wrote down, Stacy is a straight up cunt. Yeah, <laughs> she's so <laughs> shitty to her friend Julie. Like, well, all of her friends are kind of shitty to her. Like, it's all... that old trope of like. 
if you, you you're dating the guy from across the tracks and other friends like him and they're trying to convince you well, to they're, they're be all, with a shitty they're person. all a little shitty but she's like weirdly conniving to like destroy oh, enough, the relationship yeah. um we haven't actually about Nicholas Cage, Cage? At all. well because he was it's one of those goofy things where he's in about half of the movie he's in about half and I just was sort of like meh about his whole time on screen okay so Nicolas Cage in this movie for me let me Go just ahead. arrange my notes um as his as the movie progresses and as his character kind of like ingratiates himself into mm-hmm. Julie's life more and more and we get a, more of a sense of who he is I actually really like his character and his character sure. has kind of a weird arc like when we first um when the, he first takes her to that dive bar mm-hmm. and they're sitting there because he we've when we've seen him in the house, there's this awesome line where he's convincing her to go out with him. And he's I wrote down Nicolas Cage is a bold motherfucker. He does not break eye contact. And he's like, let's, oh, he doesn't, he's like, yeah. let's get out of here. Let's just go. And she's she goes, where would we go? And he goes, I don't care. And she goes, what would we do? And he goes, anything. And those lines, those two lines, I literally believed him for an 18 year old actor yep. i really really dug that and then kisses her not even a good kiss and that's what made it better like is that it's, awkward yeah it's like that weird like i'm just fucking gonna kiss you and he does and then which nowadays i know i'm not supposed to be for that but he, right. he just goes for it and she looks shocked and then he like goes to the window and he's like hey, what's up and he pieces out and she goes out to meet him and they go to that dive bar and in that dive bar so all we've seen is him being like God, you're great. You're right, you're just so, so you're beautiful. You're just like so beyond. You're just the best. But when they get to that bar, she's like, oh, you think you're so different? He's like, yeah, you're just like her. You're just like all your fucking friends. In that moment, I don't even think like nowadays they would call that negging, but I don't think it is. No. I no. think it's, he re- he recognizes in a way that she doesn't, that they are, they're from the same city, but from utterly different, different worlds. worlds. So I thought that's that's great writing, but I think he pulled it off, too, because even while he's sitting there kind of critiquing her, like, you're just like your friend, you know, mm-hmm. like you're you're your nice clothes or whatever. And, you know, they uh, I think uh, Nick Cage's friend asks, like, well, so what do you guys do? And they're like, you know, go to like regular parties and right. get like clothes, like nice clothes. <laughs> and Nick Cage goes just like what we do. And then she's like, well, what makes you so different? And then that's when he's like, that's you're, when just, he's like, like you're your just like your friend. But right. the whole time he's delivering those lines, he comes off as aggressive, but never shitty. We hate Tommy immediately, but somehow right. Nicolas Cage, I, I think it's performance. I got to give him even as, and again, he's young in this yeah. movie, but he's doing a good job there because right after he like talks some shit and she's like, well, how do you be free? He doesn't answer. Right. And that the whole rest of that, like, I think it's like 45 seconds before we're out of the scene, but the whole rest of that is just like him, him and her, both at her to her credit too. Mm-hmm. The actor and actress are using, they like utilize distance. Right. Because they move in, moving in, and then he, the, it's also, fra- the framing is amazing because in between the two of them is the guy up on stage singing Playing in the, the background. But And the song is something about being worlds apart too. It's, I think it's like Millennium, yeah. Millennia Apart or whatever. Yeah. They, they, t- they tag the song back later after. Yeah, he has, when he's by himself. Uh, after he fucked that skank in the yes. bathroom. He rot. However, I must say, uh... <laughs> 
Samantha is her name, by the way. Nice. The second she appeared on screen, I scribbled down, ooh, <laughs> who's this trailer trash fox? <laughs> that's how they, it's, that's not oh, even that's my how, fault. But, that's no, how, that's they how they portray her. her yeah. But, um, God, Samantha, like, she comes out of nowhere, like this, this, like, trashy siren. <laughs> And you hate her, but you kind of yep. like her too. Oh, uh, and he does her in a bathroom stall. Yeah. What did you think of that scene, by the way? It was dirty. It wasn't as dirty as the bathroom for my spit on your grave, too. No. Go and check out Patreon for all of those. Those of you who. No, are- but it was like a, it was just such a sad moment, and I think that's why these these movies never really set well with me, is because I was a late bloomer, anyways. But. Sexually Well no just like Having a girlfriend in, in general Like Yeah In like high school College and didn't really Ever work out for me So like I had So there's a hopeless Romantic was, sort yeah. of Situation going on And then It's just It just feels Gluch 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 Like that whole f- Situation like Like I get it But like Nick Cage doing Well Randy Randy, yeah, yeah, Randy, yeah. Randy doing Samantha in the bathroom. In the bathroom as sort of because he's so down and out about about Julia. What like I to get to that place and it's just it's just it's there's part of me with like it's too sad for for me for my brain. Right. Like like moments like that in movies it's where it's become just, a, it's, I don't know if it was before this, but it's become a trope in films like this where mm-hmm. like oh we're so in love we're so in love oh well fuck you I'm out of here and, and I'm then, gonna go and we're gonna go yeah. sleep with other people and it, oh it was a mistake and then we oh come back and it's usually that's the guy. never really worked for me like it that's just it's it feels wrong to me personally. So when I, when I see it and I'm like, ah, and so in the fact that it's in a bathroom of a dive bar, there's a, just, there's a, there's a filmmaking thing happening there mm-hmm. that I was really intrigued by. I, I love the two shots in this movie. Oh, there yeah. are tons of two shots, which is for those of you who don't know, it's basically when you have just two act, two actors on screen and they are both in frame and they're talking to each other. It's not the the over. It's not the over the shoulder shot. It's where you just it's it's like a it's not a wide, but it's like a medium shot with mm. two actors and you just let them talk to each other. It's really naturalistic. The over the shoulder shots when you see those you know you're in a movie, but when you have just two people talking in profile, it's 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 a You're watching two actors. It's a act really right. fly on the wall type thing and it yeah. creates an intimacy that over the shoulder shots don't allow because you can't you don't get instantaneous reaction shots. Right. So th- th- the other thing I noticed in this movie that I loved is what was the director's name? Oh, I had it I'm written. Sorry, down. I know. No, that's okay. I wanted to just give credit cuz it's really interesting. Um uh, Martha Coolidge? Martha Coolidge. The there are a lot of scenes that go long. This movie could have. There's an interesting reason for that. Which is? By the way, they you had listen a. Listen to the director's commentary. So, the director's yeah. <laughs> so they had like a $500,000 budget okay. on this flick. And the entire production from like getting the script in her hands to release was like six months. So not what? a whole lot of time. She only shot six hundred forty thousand feet of film was all that was used on this project. Uh, so they had between one and three takes, like three maximum. So it was the first or second take in everything. So sometimes she would run a little bit long in the shots because they're like, if I cut, 
that's going to take time. It's like if I stop the action, right? I have to go back, reset, and then we hit, we're on our second take. So she would rather like have things like play out, right? So which informed a lot of these different scenes, and the, because the budget was so small, they didn't have a whole lot of time. And most of the crew worked for like fucking free and like called in favors and shit. So it's almost wow. like an independent, like MGM was the, the studio behind it, but it was almost done like an independent film. It wa- it watches like one too. It does. Cause sometimes it's a little too dark. And it's, you mean the, the like coloring the, or no, no, the like, lighting? Like the lighting. Like anytime they're they're in their car and they're out in the valley or they're up on like Mulholland. I love that. But yeah, it's yeah, perfect, yeah. but it works. It works. Right? Because you have the valley below them. It's it's romantic in a way. You kind of feel like you're on Makeout Hill. and The like, bar scenes are so yeah. dark. It's red lighting. Mm-hmm. And the lighting is so low that you can, it's really hard to make stuff out. But it works because it's such a, it creates such a crazy jarring contrast to the bright life in the hills that we've just seen. They had $3,000 total for all set dressing in this movie. $3,000 was their... $500 of which they used at the prom scene. Wow. Yeah. So I actually, this movie, there's there's a certain type of film about this time period or made Mm -hmm. in this time period, which is like the teenage movie set in a high school, and they all have a certain look and feel, and this one does not quite have that. This is dark, gritty, and it's a lot of it's because of how fast they had to do it, how many takes they had, and they didn't have that. That John Hughes budget. We're gonna we're gonna later in the main in well we're in the main series. I get confused sometimes. Um, later in this year, we're going to cover a director who uh, who utilizes that technique of letting things run mm-hmm. and letting things. Is that Jarmish or no? We're gonna cover um, Steve McQueen. Oh right, not the actor. Not, Steve no, McQueen. no, the director. director like seven Steve years of sli- uh, slave. Twelve years of slave. Seven years of slave is the it's prequel, sl- right? <laughs> <laughs> The trial run. Right. They were testing out to see how long they could make someone a slave. They're like, seven years we can pull off. Let's try. We can do fucking Let's 12. Sh- You're crazy, Bill. <laughs> You'll never manage it. <laughs> but yeah, he does 12 years a slave. He does shame. He does hunger. Um, and this movie is, we'll see this later. He takes it to extremes. But in right. uh, in this film, you get like to the end of a scene and you're like, okay, we're done now. But then, like physical acting starts happening, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, are we still? Are we still here? Okay, what's going on now?" And it, it it's like when he says goodnight to her at her house, she closes the door, and he sort of silhouette dances away from the door, yeah. awkwardly, right? And it keeps going for a little bit longer than you expected. Yeah, because it's like yeah. skipping left and right. Yep. The other the scene I'm thinking of is the the sex in the bathroom. They get in the bathroom and they're like making out, and now we're expecting like cut to black, which eventually right. does happen, but. Okay, the jacket's off, and now he's undressing her, and we're like, "Oh, how okay." And then they move along, and they go behind a stall, and then two girls come in. Yeah, that's right. Like so, teehee, and then they. So like, I'm I'm not saying like there's some like deep metaphorical thing that right. they're going for here, but I'm saying it gives a verisimilitude. Right. To the, like to that scene, it, cr- it rather than watching a movie, it feels like. Like like life because if you're fucking in a bathroom in a crowded bar, people, people are, are going to walk in. in. Right. So you know it's like the it's like the movie trope of like we have sex and our hair is perfect and right. no one disturbs us in the park. No, in this one, Nick, they go they get to a stall like barely in time and two they're girls squeezed into in. it too. I mean, it's like not very attractive. No, and there's a weird seedy 
feel to it where you get the sense that the two girls who are in the bathroom know that people are fucking how could they not and don't care don't give a shit and you're like wow this is a huge step down from where randy was just like you know that's the viper room the viper room yeah where they shot that it's not called the viper room it's where river phoenix died really yeah that that bar Mm -hmm. it wow yeah this is this movie is soaked in like Hollywood. I have so much trivia on this movie right now. Not so much Nick Cage performance because, like I said, this just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Now, I couldn't do it. Okay, good Nick Cage performance moment. I didn't really have any real complaints. I thought some of his really early stuff in the movie, like the first couple scenes when we're first introduced to him, I thought some of that was a little flat. Sure, because he's doing the California stoner thing where he's like, right. "I'm a surfer, man," and he does deliver some lines flat, but he really livens up after he gets Julie out of the party. Like when he first meets her parents at the hell food restaurant, like Which is he's, an awesome it's, yeah, scene. It's <laughs> like ah, it's Nick Cage, and I love her parents too, by the way, for their shirts yeah, and I'm, where they health health food <laughs> something or other. Like they own a health food restaurant. Not even a, like a store. It's a restaurant that's like healthy food. Just nice, so nice dad, Steve and Sarah. His wife's name is Sarah. Oh my God. I love that. They are, they are the, some of the most compelling characters here because they're both like faded hippies. They're like former hippies. Yeah. Well, the dad's smoking a joint waiting for his daughter to get home from the party in the first act. Like in the. Oh yeah, yeah. And he yeah. also smokes a, he smokes a, joint, a joint in the later. bathroom later that's too. What, that's the one I. And then leaves the lens cap on. Leaves his... the lens cap on the camera, but that's that scene right there. That's a great example of that weird indie feel. Because mm-hmm. okay, like let's go and let's go and okay. They they he smokes a joint. He comes down. There's the funny gag with the pictures, and then Julie and Tommy leave to go to the prom, and the Sarah, his wife, is immediately like, "Let's go watch." And they run over to the window, right? And they're watching at the window, and Sarah's got her arm on him, and then they they ostensibly drive off. Yep, they have they, a moment. They close the blinds, and that should be the end, right? But it's not. It keeps going. Then he's like, "Oh yeah," and she starts like doing this weird thing where she like sh- is she like hugs shaking him, him in but a then weird she starts sort of like, way sh- like kind of like shaking him like and it it feels knowing what you just told me it feels like the actors maybe didn't know what to do isn't kind of awkward right, like, right they're like no one's going. calling cut so i guess just keep going because she literally shakes him and he goes He's, he has it's an awesome Bangkok. line he goes it's not bangkok i don't need a massage right and she goes jeez and then, like, it's weirdly in character again yes. now. And then she goes, hey, you got any more of that stuff for me? And he goes, yeah, well, sure, sure. And they go off to smoke pot. And it's, it create that never would have existed if they had It's a very real going. moment between the two of them. And it, it creates that, it, it captures being high really well. That where you get lost in your own head, especially yeah. if you're moving a little bit, you get in, like, kind of a trance. And then if you're startled out of it, you can be a little brusque right <laughs> so it's weird like steve gets that like well i'm not in bangkok i don't need a what are you doing to me woman he gets like weird like like weed brusque yeah. and then <laughs> weed brusque. perfectly in character when she's like you got any more of that stuff well, yeah if you're yeah, smoking yeah. and someone's like hey you you, you want to go split some you'd be like sure yeah yeah sweet, man dude. it mellowed him right back out it's totally like th- slice he, of life i almost thought he was sonny bono at first <laughs> 
<laughs> just because of his look? Because of how he looked. I'm like, is oh that Sonny? No, it's not. He has some of the best lines in this movie. Actually, just her parents in general, because they're so like, we're just letting you grow they and are experience. Like the, the, uh, they're, they're like the Keatons in, in um, Family Ties. I've never seen Family Ties. What? I know, but this is not a Family Ties episode. No, Break but they're me. but they're okay. very much like the like the the Keatons in that the Keatons were ex hippies. Okay. Who are just really cool parents. Okay, well that's, that's in the early eighties. Like literal, the same, so this is exactly what they are. They are the Keatons. Yes. When Julie comes home from the party and we walk into the room. And her dad is smoking on the couch and her mom is doing like inverted yoga. Inverted yoga. And and she (laughs) pauses with her legs fully spread. I wrote down, damn, Julie got home at like eight in the morning (laughs) for starters. Because they're out all night and it's like night, night, night. And when he pulls up to the house, I'm like, it's day. It's daytime. She is so fucking screwed. She's crazy late. So she walks in and I'm like, "Uh, her mom's vagina yoga (laughs) is... Something else. I, I thought the same. Thing. I didn't know what to think because, like, part of it is like, Jesus, that your mom's doing yoga. That's so gross. But at the same time, Julie's mom's kind of hot. Kind of hot. So I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. And she this. holds that pose for a hot minute. She, well, too. and when Julie comes in, she like is mid spread, and then she's like lecturing her daughter upside down with her legs spread. And you're like, could you just stand up or close or, your legs or don't? I don't, I don't know. know. It's so it's perfect though because I think that's what they're going for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in that same scene, Nice Dad Steve has my favorite fucking line ever, which they're like, kind of like, look, we're not mad at you. We just want you to be careful, blah, blah. And Steve goes, you know, Julie, we were young once. Your mother still is. (laughs) (laughs) He throws that out. Just like that. I love that. That like covering your bases. Covering your shit. Your mom, she still is. That's uh, such a husband thing to do where you're like, you know, your mother and I were young and then you realize you're like, shit, I just said that. And then my wife is old. And you know, but your mom still is. I'm old, but your mom, (laughs) she's a 10 out of 10. You know, like you just see him like backtrack for a second and then he gets, stay on target and he gets right back in. I just, I love Steve. And yet again, Hard to talk about Nicolas Cage because everyone else is doing more than he is. More than he is. But I think that's fair enough. It's so not actors like Nicolas Cage don't start off as Nick Cage. You aren't you aren't born Nicholas Cage. Face off, right? Right. You there you have a natural progression. And what I actually I mean, I feel kind of bad that I couldn't make it through this movie mm-hmm. for many different reasons. It was just, it's not my bag. It was tiring. His performance wasn't, it was lackluster. But it's also sort of interesting to see his genesis, like where he came from and seeing those little sparks of what he eventually would be in his, yes. in his heyday, like the Stanley Goodspeed and the, and, and the dude from Face Off and like There's Con a- Air, like when, when my favorite moments of his in mm-hmm. this movie are when they when the script gives him strange lines right and he manages them mm-hmm. because there's the dialogue is actually pretty good like as far as this movie goes i know it's not in your bag but from like from this type no, from of a screenwriting standpoint no there's absolutely nothing wrong with the dialogue right it's, yeah it's it's pretty sharp and fun the valley girl stuff is 
it's is, a little forced in. Well, and also it's 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 grating, but it's grating because, because it's, it's, valley. it's that valley right. thing. And it's like hearing someone say like, barf started, me out. And they intentionally started it more heavy to let you know where you are and then right. backed it off. Right, right, yeah. Because that first scene that with first the four scene, of them at yeah, the table the, is in the galleria just, and it's just like you're just obnoxious. Like, Please don't let pounding. this be the whole movie. Yeah. But then they do, they like, they, they ease the up off the gas mm-hmm. on that, yeah. Um, but no, I think the script, the writing, the 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 words that people have to say, are, it's clever. It's fun. It's just overall the story is a a mediocre re- retelling of fell a little flat for you. Yeah, yeah, it just did. It's the uh, some lines I wrote down a bunch of Cage's lines. Oh, but go for it. There's one where okay, when they're driving down the strip, I, there's like three from this sequence. But when he's driving down the strip and he just was yelling at like Enrique as they walked past mm-hmm. or whatever, he says shit. He says the word shit. I don't even know if I can replicate it with my own voice. But he goes, he's, he, cause you know, he'll say a line and then be yeah. like, ah, and he'll like scream or whatever. He says shit after this line where he's like, Enrique, you didn't do that, man. And then he turns back to the road and he goes, shit. It's like <laughs> his voice, like shit or something. Like I don't know. I don't know what or, he does. Or, I can't weird. figure it out. I've been trying to do it since I saw it and I cannot replicate it. I'm going to have to watch this. It's like. Now. It's like he's like vibratoing the eye in shit, like 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 a machine. Okay, like a no, perfect, I remember that now. Yeah, it's bizarre to hear, and I was like, it's like a yes, weird yes, yes, yes. It's exactly <laughs> like that. It's so fucking weird. I saw it and I was like, Jesus, what was that? What was that, Nick Cage? And then uh, when they pull up to the club, and the girls like, um, she's like, I'm not getting out of this car because they're in a bad part of town. Right. And Nick Cage goes. All right, that's fine, but when they attack the car, save the radio. Save the radio. <laughs> There's just like they give him these little like snarky like sh- like not shitty but like weird lines yeah. to deliver. There's a great one later when he's puking in the alley. Oh, and he's just like yelling. That's a good scene when his buddy yeah. kind of rallies him a little bit. You know what the best part of that scene is? Is there's no monologue. Mm-mm. There's no like, listen, man, we've been through some stuff, but now I'm going to tell you. No, it's so fucking real. Mm-hmm. His buddy's like just kind of trying to joke around with him because he sees that his friend is hurting. and He doesn't yep. know exactly what to do. So they're sitting there and then there's a bit where like Nick Cage starts the conversation by saying, fuck you too. Right. <laughs> and leave me alone. And his friend's like, no, 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 man. Come on. Like, hey, you got to be wild and goofy. And then Nick Cage at one point, because he's super drunk and he's puking his guts out. Yeah. He goes, give me that brick. I'm dying. <laughs> Put me out of my misery. <laughs> but the way that he says it, because yep. I say it and I'm joking. Yeah. The way that he says it. It's like, oh, you might actually want to die right now. Yeah. I'm like there. You, you literally believe like at least part of Nick Cage doesn't care if he lives or dies and it's it's weird it's not weird it's upsetting to see for a second where you're like oh shit i have a fun bit of trivia about that scene as well yeah 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 i should watch commentary on these things more often you should you be (laughs) but uh i could be like the research uh but anyway so so that scene was unseasonably cold in the valley that night when they shot that scene and it was so cold that the actors were having a hard time acting because when it's super cold, your brain goes. Right. And it's hard to do anything physical when because you're, sh- you're shaking. So they had, like, one of the producer's cars 
parked right off of camera with the heat on. So in between takes, they would have they would have to go in and like warm up for a hot second. Oh my god! And then put ice cubes in their mouth. So there would be so there wouldn't be any steam coming up. But you can see, I went back and looked again. There is. There is coming out of Nick Cage's mouth during that scene. You can see the the cold coming out out of his mouth. So, two related things really quick. One, uh, like four years ago, I wrote and directed and shot a horror film in the Upper Peninsula, and we happened to. It's set in the winter time. Mm-hmm. It was cabin. They get snowed in. That sort of thing. Um, It happened to be the coldest winter in like 50 years when we shot it. There's a scene where uh, the protagonist wakes up outside. He's he's hallucinating. And he, in the previous scene, was dressed in a just a white dress shirt, jeans, and that's it. And he wakes up and he's outside at in a sawmill that where the walls have all fallen down. I mm-hmm. found a super cool location, but it's totally exposed to the elements. And his boss is standing there in a suit talking to him. So we shot that scene. I the I play the protagonist. I'm in my dress shirt. My buddy Adam Lau plays my boss. He's in a suit. And we you know we get to the location and we started shooting it. And that day before wind chill was negative thirty five degrees. <laughs> So we would shoot the scene. You can, I'll sh- actually before you leave, I'll, yeah. sh- I'll show it to you. But uh, you can see like my skin start to go like red like and you're then going, white. Oh shit! Because you're like get. And so what we did was we left my Subaru running on the road, and then when I when I call action, we turn the car off so it didn't get in the audio. Oh my god! So we do the scene really quick, and then I'd be like, Adam, can you uh, can you do another one? He's like, No. No, and we'd run to the car and we'd sit in the car so we were warm, and then we'd run back out and do it again. That's we'd amazing. Had to do the same thing uh, at the one of our last shoots. It, we were heading into spring. I was waiting for the temperature to come up a little bit. There's a scene where a character is crucified, basically crucified by being chained to a metal pipe that's suspended from the ceiling, and they're totally naked. So I'm like, I'm not gonna do like have people do total no, no, nude no. scenes yeah, in super yeah. super brutal cold. And then the day that I had scheduled for it happened to be another day where the temperature hit like negative 20 something. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that was fucked up. <laughs> but yeah. So I've actually you have can some, relate. That's some personal amazing, yeah. experience with this. But also uh, there's another there's a film, a, a real legitimate film made by legitimate people. <laughs> um, Lords of Salem. Rob Zombie's movie? Yes. There, you remember, have you ever seen it? Oh, yeah. Okay, remember the scene where the, all the old women are dancing around the fire and they're like, Satan, yep, yep, Satan. Yep. That they shot in, they only had like one day to shoot. Mm-hmm. And it was so cold where they were shooting that Rob Zombie actually can't like shut the scene down halfway through because he realized that one of the actresses couldn't remember the word Satan. Oh, that's that. That's fucking. That was cold. like her only line. Oh, but she. Could just, so oh, he was God. like, he would check in. He'd be like, "All right, okay, we're gonna change some camera angles," and he's like, "Run your line for me." And all it was was Satan, Satan. and she couldn't remember it. And he's like, "All right, we're done," because they're naked. They're right. naked and dancing. Right. And, but it didn't matter because the the cold was it was so fucking it was so cold bad she that their bodies were like that. shutting yep. down. He's like, yep. "We're done." Everyone, Can't even do dialogue. Nope. Yeah. Not not even dialogue. The One word, word Satan. Right. It's like getting the everybody to the trailers and cars. We are done. 
doctors. Let's get doctors. <laughs> it's just doctor. I don't think it was that cold in the valley. No, no, but, but I, I cold enough to make your breath go. <sighs> I still. Th- I, I'm glad you. I'm gl- now. I'm, I'm collecting cold movie shooting. Yeah, yeah. Stories. I love it. Um, I mean. <laughs> Nick Cage, I'm j- I just want to jump forward to because you mentioned it at the beginning, and because it's a Nick Cage appreciation podcast, and I, you, we both agree. I think this is where he shines the most. The montage of him trying to win her back. I love it. I love it. It's, it's the best part of the movie. The absolute best part yeah. of the movie. The music there, there. It's all perfect. The, the soundtrack is, is great all, perfect, all the way through, yeah. but that scene is so well queued up and cut. When he's when he's sucking on that cigarette in front of the oh fucking movie God. theater. Yeah, when he's taking their tickets <laughs> and she she recognizes him, you know. But he's got he's his three D glasses, glasses on, on. His disguise, so that Tommy, who's a fucking idiot, yes. doesn't. It's literally the Clark Kent thing. He puts glasses on and they and don't know who he is. Right. But Tommy's like, "Bitchin, is this in three D?" And Nick Cage goes. <laughs> Nick Cage goes, no, but your face is. And, <laughs> and his, then lights a his cigarette. His hand motion when right. he says it, because he's like still kind of looking over at Julie, and he's like, bitch, is this in 3D? And he turns to him, and he puts his fingers in his face, like points, and he's got the cigarette. Yeah. He points the cigarette in his no. face, and he goes, no, but your face is. And then he takes a big drag off his cigarette and just rips his ticket, and that's like that's it, the whole- moving on. And then uh, the last friend who comes through, he's like, uh, he gives the ticket to Nick Cage, and Nick Cage goes, enjoy your flight. And walks away. Right. <laughs> it's just so fucking weird, man. And as normally, like later, you later Cage might have been like, "No, but your face is." You oh, know, right, yeah. Weird. But this was more as straight as yeah. he plays that. I just th- there were several times in this movie. I know you said you didn't laugh out loud. I I was literally like pausing the movie and just like. <laughs> I wish I could have gotten there. I mean, I own the movie now. Maybe I'll go back and and watch it again. Uh, I feel like I just don't pick the right time of day to watch movies anymore. There's when... (laughs) Yeah, you just... Or like you sit down with like your Carl Jung glasses and a pipe on and you're like, all right, right. it's time to consider Valley Girl. Yeah, The cinema. Cinema. Um... (laughs) <laughs> there's like another moment that like literally broke me is when the Steve the dad nice yes, dad Steve nice dad Steve when he's w- waiting for Tommy to show up and he's like freaking the fuck out and he's sweating <laughs> and he sees Tommy roll up and Tommy gets out and he's like all fly and he's got his limo car thing right and he's like boy that that boy doesn't miss a trick Sarah Sarah you gotta come and see this Sarah and Sarah comes over and she's looking through the window what? and she's like what and he's like look at feel these hands these hands are wet. And Julie comes in and he's like, oh, darling, you look beautiful. Oh, and he goes and runs away to go smoke a joint. And Julie's like, what's up with dad? And her, the mom says, I think your father just faced his mortality. <laughs> That's literally her line. The writing in this movie sneaks up on you. Yeah. It's not like one of those movies. It's not like a Rodney Dangerfield. Right. Like, it's not up, back to school. Line, it's not Caddyshack. No. It's not any Fast of that. Fast Times right. at Ridgemont High. It doesn't have that like every single zinger zinger. And maybe that's what I wasn't. I mean, at the beginning of this podcast, I said that, you know, my, I think broad comedies aren't my bag. This is not a broad comedy. Mm-mm. This is not Caddyshack. This isn't Porky's. This isn't Police Academy. It's... I think maybe I was expecting that, which right. is why I something a bit more slapstick, a right. bit more, a bit more, a bit more, a bit yeah. gregarious. But this, 
it's the movie. There's more honesty to it. It does. It does. It's got the heart of a John Hughes movie with a Kevin Smith sensibility. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And I, well, the thing, one of the things that I love about it is there are like shit like give me a brick or like right. your father just faced his own mortality or like lines like that. There is sharp writing in here, but n- it's not, it doesn't make itself known. It right. just sneaks, sneaks up, on, up you. on you. And then you're like, it's like, blam, mom said something funny and you're like, oh shit. It's like sniper writing. Yeah. And you know, it's really. It's just perched on the top of a hill waiting for its moment and then. And then the bland writing occasionally shines because of where it's placed. Like, no, but your face is, is so fucking funny because of the absurdity of the of situation. Everything that's is going presented. on around it. Yeah. Yeah. And like the. Okay, so a guy, like, how do you set up a guy spits his gum on somebody? Well, that was an accident. The gum spitting out yeah. on the guy? Really? I know that because I watched the commentary. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well. The, that wasn't meant to happen. They play it off so yeah. well. Yeah, that's why she's laughing so hard in the car. It's because he did it for it's real. It's because he did it for real. I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so very sorry about that. Let me and get that for you. just with went it. with it. Yeah. Have you ever seen, speaking of gum coming out of people's mouths, have you ever seen The Between Two Ferns with Brad Pitt? Uh, not the Brad Pitt one, no. Okay, there's a there's one with uh, Brad Pitt and what's that act? Uh, Zach, Zach Galifianakis. There's a bit where Zach Galifianakis, um, where Brad Pitt's chewing gum, and Zach Galifianakis is like, "Really, you're just gonna chew gum on my show?" And Brad Pitt, without missing a beat, just spits it <laughs> on the table. Oh my god! And Zach Galifianakis picks it up and puts it in his mouth and starts chewing it. And Brad Pitt goes, that was my last piece. And Zach Galifianakis <laughs> spits it back out, and Brad Pitt puts it back in his mouth. Genius. It is spectacular. Oh the timing and the like, blo- the like blase way right. with which they do it is primo. And because oh you can't spit gum very accurately, you know that, you know they, they... that that was just totally off the cuff. Yep. And neither of them broke, and you're like, that's why you guys make so much money. Exactly. As, as much of a pretty boy reputation as he has, Brad Pitt does have acting ability. I love Brad Pitt. Thank you. Holy shit. That's a conversation for another time. It is. Um, there's... I'm, can I just you have do you have more trivia that you want to hit? Uh, oh, did I just close my notebook? You did. I, I think, have a, I, think I have I a hit few all more, of the most of mine are lines. I just want to say like lines that bl- just wait. say them. Okay, um, when they're at the prom at the end, and that girl walks up to the table and she's like, "Where are the cups?" And it's like, I haven't, I don't know cups. I don't know cups. The, I wrote down cups, 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 because that's what they they're saying. Right. And then there's that guy at the head. They like go around and they get to that guy at the head of the table, and he has the best fucking line ever. He goes, "Cups, I haven't seen cups all day. <laughs> or cups all evening. Cups all evening. Says, cups, I haven't, I haven't seen cups, cups all, all evening. evening. It's like it's like a cop just came up and they're like, um, so have you seen Jim around? And he's like, no, Jim. <laughs> Jim, who's Jim? Jim, all Jim? Day. That's not even a real name. You know? Oh, I do. So my last bit of trivia. Okay. We talked. Uh, I don't know if it was in season zero or in in this our first season where we talked about. Uh, you can tell when you've had a, an executive producer note. Oh a, yeah, that's this right? season. That's this season. I think it's like two or three episodes. So. Ago. Just before she started shooting this film, um, Coolidge, Coolidge, I think is her name. I want to get that right. The director. Yes, Coolidge. Uh, She got a note from uh, one of the executive producers or from a couple of them that they're very excited to have her on the project and that the script is fantastic and they like the cast and everything, but we have a note for you. We need you to have no fewer than four breast shots in the film. 
And she's like, pardon me? Interesting. And so you can count them. There are four. I know. I actually noted that there were four. There I are that, four. I mean, it's because that was... I thought it was the, a bit much. That was the required amount that she had to show in the film. And when she asked, why, so why four? She's like, we just feel that that is the appropriate amount for the uh, male audience that we are trying to reach in this wow. film. And so she's so she did. It's uh, we're going to do a whole month of exploitation films this mm-hmm. year. And I am a we're not doing any of this particular subgenre of exploitation films, but I'm a huge fan of like teenage slash high school, like drive in high school. Oh, absolutely. Exploitation yep, yep. films. There's a great one. Um, oh, God damn it. I just watched it. It has car chicken in it. It's fucking great. Uh, pom pom girls. Mm. If you haven't seen pom pom girls, it's ex- it's a great example of exactly this type of movie. Right. And one of the things that happens in that in every single one of those movies is, hey, Johnny, how's it going? It's going pretty good. But like, Susan, how are you doing? Uh, your shirt's open and your tits are out. Right. And it just, boom, now you've got breasts. And they usually stay out for a long time. Right. And it's it's literally just like to to push that lascivious button. It's, it's ex- that eye candy and it's like, exactly. oh, this is going to sell tickets. That's an exploitation yeah. element for sure. And, seeing and that was a note that the director got from the... it When, I, when yeah. it got to like four... It when I saw it for the fourth time in the movie, I was like, "This." I wrote down a preponderance of breasts. But right. I was like, "This seems like a bit much." But when I fir- when I saw considering the, the film and what the yeah, it just seemed when I out saw of place. the first two because it's not Porky's and it's not Police Academy. No, but when I saw the first two, I liked it that touch because it was it like, made sense with Dottie, not Dottie, but you know, it yeah, made sense with- <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> It made sense with Lauren with Dottie. Wow, your your inner child was just like, Jeez. don't you dare take Dottie's breasts from me. But it, I thought it made sense for the first two times because I thought because the movie does have that exploitation the, right, feel. Yeah, yeah. You've got that like greaser character. And it wrong made sense with tracks. what was happening too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, you got it. Like it's a little like touch of exploitation. Also, this is an R-rated film. Lots yep. of f-words and teen drinking and drug use. So we're in a more adult world. But when it got to four, I was like, what the, why are we doing this again? This is excessive. Yeah. Um, I there are a couple things I have to hit because I will freak out if I don't cover them. Do it. Speaking of Lauren and that scene where we see her breasts, the reason when you said like it ends innocently earlier, I there's a bit at the end where she's like, "Does this mean we're going steady?" He's like, "No," mm-hmm. and he get he comes around and sit, he moves around her and sits down next to her to. I think like a, to create a more powerful position oh, for him to shit. sit in because he he really looms over her where he was like laying. He under was laying her next second, to her yeah. under her, yeah. So he goes, um, "No, that's not what this means. I think this means that uh, maybe you're a lousy friend to fool around with your friend's boyfriend while he's in a bad way or something oh, fuck, like that." Yeah, it makes right? her out to be yeah. And then he gets up and he pulls his shirt on and there's like this look of like scorn and disgust on yeah. his face and he walks out and closes the door and. As he's closing the door, she says, get out so quietly. It I broke that. my Shit. heart. Literally, it's, it's if you weren't like watching closely, you'd miss it. But I swear to you, she's sitting there and she's pull, she's trying to cover her, herself. Yeah. She's not even dressing. She's just trying to cover up. And he's already gone. Like the door is and she closed. Like whispers, get she out. goes, get out. Oh, my God. It is it fucks you up, dude. It's a tr- it's a really, really like she her character for the most part is th- like the Peak Valley girl, right? Yeah. But in that moment, man, mm. and especially not to like to get out, you bastard, or right, some just like a get some out. big line oh. reading. It's just for her to say it to like 
try and cling to some sort of control of herself. Uh, I know it's really, really, it's, it's, beautiful it's heartbreaking but it's beautiful beautiful. and really really good performance there was i I really enjoyed that um on a on a funnier note i liked the driving scene where where julie's learning to drive oh and the the instructor jumps out of the car the instructor jumps out of the car (laughs) fail when he's screaming when he's screaming at her he's like you can't drive through there and they cut to her and they cut back and they keep talking to each other there's three girls in the back right. and they're all acting <laughs> like nothing's happening the and instructor is no longer there's in the nobody car. in the passenger seat anymore but what i really loved about that movie or not that movie but that part of the movie is there's a thing that a lot of movies do which is it's easier to sh- just shoot the shell of a car with uh green screen oh, running right, in the yeah. background and back then it wasn't green screen they would literally like they would like sh- they would run the footage behind yeah they'd them, run right? footage yeah. behind them nowadays they do it green screen or they'll just put the car on a trailer right but uh i love the fucking back matter i love the footage that they're showing because it literally looks while she's driving it looks like she's driving, driving in, in a, a big circle, circle. Yeah. for like 50 <laughs> seconds yeah. it, it's like julie's just doing donuts, she's doing in, the donuts in the parking lot of the high school the most hilarious part of that scene was watching the the stuff in the background you're like the scenery is just going in a circle mm-hmm. again and again and again and the instructor's losing his mind he was a, there's a fun bit part yeah. that that instructor yeah. he's only in like two minutes of the movie but Really, Fail. really primo. Um, and shit, there was one more. But what was it? I tried to mark it and I f- didn't. Oh, yes, we have to cover mm. this. We have to, absolutely have to address this. At the prom, there is a song called Johnny Are You Queer? Yes. Do you have trivia for it? I don't. That is a bit troubling. Yeah. That song does not age well. It doesn't. I noticed it. Yeah. There's no, it was not mentioned in the commentary, and I meant to look that up. Right. On the Because whole, it struck me as like, oh, shit. Well, at first I thought, like, okay, this is the 80s. Maybe this is the old sense the of queer, as in weird. No. Nope. No, the backup dancers make it very obvious. Yeah. They, when they sing the chorus, John, are you queer? They're flopping their wrists down. Mm-hmm. You can tell lyrically that that's what they're talking about. The, the song seems to be suggesting like, oh, why aren't you into me? Are you gay? Right. And, no, that's exactly what the song and is. And they play yeah. that whole song. That song plays for like four minutes of the movie. It's, it's a big part of the prom sequence. Mm-hmm. A lot of this movie ages well because it has nostalgia factor. It feels John Hughesy. It right. feels weirdly current in some ways because it's got that like rougher around the edges right, yeah. thing. That part, not it was so, jarring actually. Yeah, it's and there's it's a shame too because that's that's when the food fight is happening. That's right. when their big escape happens. So it's like it's it's literally like minutes before the end of the film. Before the graduate so you're, happens. Yeah. So once you know once we ride off into the sunset into the graduate, like right before that, you're left with this really. Weird. And we had we have had the most amazing nostalgic well not nostalgic at the time but current modern amazing. 83 soundtrack yeah the soundtrack up is until that spot point on, and then, and then it's like hit. throw that in it's like i mean i know it's the sensibility for the time bird and i just watched um dude where's my car not too mm-hmm. long ago that's that was made in 2000 and they th- they sling a lot of like oh like, like the, faggot and yeah, gay jokes are right, all over yeah. that so even like in 2000 
that that type of humor was still there. So we live in. I think it's. I think it's one of those weird like cultural. Yeah, disconnect. it's almost generational at, the, at this that's what point. I, yeah, I that's mean, what I yeah. meant. Um, rather than cultural, but it but, is cultural too, though, because we have changed as for a the culture. better. Right, right, right. More, but yeah. So like in '83, that was still as far as that's concerned. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in so in '83, that was that was still like it was acceptable, is, and it was. Back in 83, that was probably funny. Right. You know, like, oh, this is, you know, with this in the backdrop and all this, like, machismo, they're fighting over a girl. Right. So, yeah, watching that, I was like, ooh, I, I don't know about that. However... That backstage kung fu. Oh my is god, the backstage kung fu. Point. Oh my god, that when that dude does that high kick, I was like, holy shit! shit. <laughs> he got his leg up like up by Nick Cage's head, and then he does that like big like. He, he Danny uh, uh whatever his name is karate uh, kidded karate kidded it. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. He's he goes full grasshopper, man. It's great. <laughs> um, I I love the backstage kung fu and the principal. The principal is my favorite, like, throwaway character in mm-hmm. this. Your king and your queen. I remember my prom. I wanted to be queen. I wasn't. <laughs> she's just like, <laughs> she's so sad. Yes. And then she's like, yeah, they need no introduction because they are not the king and queen of blah, blah, blah. Hi. They are blah 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 hi like her delivery is so yes. like principal who was a theater kid back in the day and is being the most dramatic oh she's killing the like the like she had like hi she, she had like the horse binder the horse notebook <laughs> the horse backpack that's this girl that's this girl and then they open the curtains and nick cage is beating the fuck <laughs> out of tommy and she faints in i i wrote down best movie faint of all time oh she, she swoons it she's oh she swoons like classic greek she puts her speech <laughs> above her head and turns around opposite the direction that her speech came up. She like reverse corkscrews with her hand above her head. I'm like, that is perfect. It's such yes. a good way to go out. Um, I got nothing else for Valley uh, Girl. I'm, I'd this and Drive Angry. You yeah. and me, we should just like when we're way ahead and we don't have to worry about doing these. Can podcasts, I just watch these with some people should, or we something? Should, or <laughs> we should get drunk and grab a bunch of friends. And watch spin these. these flicks. I think that'd be fantastic. Yes. Um. So yeah, I I was a big fan. I'm hoping that I can convert you sometime. Absolutely. In the like I said, I didn't hate it, just not in my wheelhouse. Gotcha. So. Right. Right. And I'm glad that you were you like you, again. You didn't even really have anything negative to say about no, it. You recognize. Oh yeah. You're absolutely. Like, yeah. It's a good movie. It's just not my movie. Right. 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 Okay. Yep. Um. Next week, I believe we are both slavish fans. Oh. Firmly, okay, we're in the same wheelhouse good, good, on next good. week's movie. Yes! I'm so excited. I've I've intentionally held up. I've owned this Blu-ray since last year. I bought a Coen Brothers collection, right? And when I found out we we're gonna, when we were talking like almost seven months ago now about this podcast, yeah. and we picked when we first when Measuring Flicks was born. Yeah, when we when we first picked Raising Arizona, I took it. Off the gonna watch it this week shelf and like we're gonna hold off on that. Watch it fresh. Watch it fresh. I've been waiting. Oh I have God. been waiting to watch Raising Arizona. <laughs> I'm so fucking ready, dude. I think Raising Arizona. It's the best. Well, Fargo it, is the best. I think. Well, who knows? Coen Brothers movie. Coen Brothers movie. Okay. I'm gonna go with Raising Arizona because that was okay. the first one that I saw, and also I, we can argue it to next week. But I literally, I legitimately think that Raising Arizona is the, the best Coen Brothers movie. Fantastic! I can't wait to and watch I, it. And it I can't is, wait to talk about it. It's by far my favorite Nick Cage movie. 
Con Air Con shit. Just con- kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so next week we are going to be doing uh, Raising Arizona. And Would we like to shout out our patrons most at this moment? Definitely we want to do that. First, we should really quick, we should probably tell people what patrons are. Oh, on the Patreon website. Correct. Um we are a listener supported podcast. I can actually say that now because we are we legitimately listener support supported. I love it. Fuck yes. We are a listener supported podcast. Uh, we, we the main show will always be on iTunes every week for free. Yes. You will always have us here. We will always be talking about movies and playing clips that we don't have the licensing rights <laughs> to and screaming into the microphones. So you guys aren't you guys lucky. Um but we're uh, also trying to keep the lights on in this place and keep exactly. those podcasts hosted. It's not free to host and distribute podcasts. It's not a ton of money, but it's a it's chunk enough. it's a chunk of change, yeah. So if you like what we do and think that we uh, deserve a, a buck or two arena, um you can head over to patreon.com. That's p a t r e o n.com slash max peterson. Uh, we have several tiers of pledges and lots of fun, cool, uh, measuring flicks, podcasty rewards. You can get shout outs on the show, which we're actually just about to do. Absolutely. Um, you can get access to our awesome season zero, which Carl referenced. I've been listening this to like a little bit. It's They're like good, pretty man. good episodes. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, honestly, biased, but. Bronson prisoners. Uh, Frank and Inglorious Bastards yeah. are my favorite episodes yep. from season zero. So we covered a bunch of films in season. We did seven, seven episodes yeah. for a kind of a, an abortive first attempt at this show, and I put them all up on Patreon. Um, that's the three dollar tier. You can get access to season zero. We're also doing Patreon exclusive episodes. So we're gonna try and do them in series of four, mm-hmm. kind of like we're doing with our main. We're releasing them all in in one package too. Once right. they're right, so the Patreon episodes are very bingeable. You're gonna get right. uh, a, usually gonna be a sequence of movies or one director. Trying to like four four chunks, four ish. Four movies, yeah. Right? yeah ish, so ish, we'll, ish. you'll get a big block of four episodes. You just burn right through them. Uh, we're almost done with our first one, which is the uh, "I Spit on Your Grave" series of films. Honestly, it's been way. I'm having more, a blast, actually. <laughs> it's been way more brutal than I was expecting. Oh yeah, but also more fun the conversations are, are, are fantastic yeah i was having so much great. fun talking about these movies so we're doing that uh our next series coming up i think in june is going to be the guillermo del yeah. toro's films yeah. so you can head over to patreon and check it out over there there's lots of cool stuff click around um let's shout out our patrons shall we you start i will um this show is supported by two of my very dear friends uh john shiby and casey shiby shout out to uh my my two friends in nyc they're actually the reason that bird and i moved to maine amazing um to be slightly closer to them and also because fresh out of college they just moved to new york People don't fucking don't do that, do that because New York rent is $62,000 a month, something a like month, that. Yes. For a, uh, well, I mean, for the for a closet, right? Closet. Yeah. 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 So they just, they went and did it and they've been there for like five years. That's they're amazing. making it. It's, it's amazing. Um, and they're, they're truly amazing people and they've always been really supportive of all of the cool stuff we do at Quill and Film Productions. Mm-hmm. Oh, quillandfilmproductions.com. You can go and check out film work and stuff. The Our, umbrella for many projects. That yes. You still yes. The well. catch all production company for the artistic endeavors. 
Also, and a uh, shout out to another patron, Connor Sweeney, uh, a new friend of mine that I met on the production of uh, on a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. We were in together uh, over the class, the course of the last couple months. So thank you very much, Connor, for your support, and I hope you're continuing to enjoy these podcasts as much as we're enjoying putting them up for you. You know, I saw a blurb in the newspaper the other day about Connor. It's Connor Sweeney, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connor Sweeney pulled three kittens and an orphan child out of a burning school bus the mm-hmm. other day. His clothes were completely burned off in the fire. But it was during an April storm. It too. was. It was during an April storm, raging flames. He saved these kittens, which all immediately went to good homes, handed the orphan back to, to the its step-parents. Yes. Right. And uh, there were some photographs, and I got to say that the, his physique... His physique is Herculean. It is. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, statuesque. Yes, statuesque. It's a b- bit of an ad- I believe that the, the an Adonis. The the headline was Ad- Adonis Among Us, and I was like, "That's nice and alliterative." Save us the kittiest. <laughs> save <laughs> save us the kittiest. Right, the kittiest. <laughs> Thank you, Connor. Thank you, Connor. <laughs> My favorite part of these shout-outs is making up shit about I'm making Connor. up shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for you this week. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun doing Nick Cage. Yeah. So my sign-off this week is going to be... Uh, <laughs> 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 um you know what? I do. Oh, he did. I he do forgot have it. one. No, I just flipped to the wrong page. Um, we are having a blast. We love this man to death, and we're going to probably cover him every year. And if you don't like Nick Cage, fuck off for sure. Like, totally. Totally. <laughs>